0: Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide leaders with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving health industry. Brought to you by Vynamic, Trending Health explores topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. When you need to fill a prescription, where do you go? Do you go to your local pharmacy or grocery store? Do you use an app and have it delivered to your door? Or some combination of all of these? The bottom line is that the way pharmaceutical products reach consumers has drastically changed over the years and will continue to evolve. The Pharmacy Channel has reimagined how they are reaching patients, managing risks and deriving value, expanding their business models beyond dispensing prescription drugs to becoming wellness destinations. Today, Mindy and I are joined by our health services heads of sector, Sarah Brumman and Ryan Hummel to discuss the continuing evolution of the Pharmacy Channel. Welcome, Sarah and Ryan. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks, Jen. Good to be here again, Jen.
0: I mentioned just a few of the variety of ways in which you can interact with what we're calling a pharmacy. Ryan, can we start by giving our listeners a little bit more information about the pharmacy channel and the various provider types included?
1: Sure, Jen. You know, I think we view the pharmacy channel as more of a subsector of health services here at Dynamic. And I would say it's characterized by all of these various distribution channels or outlets in which all of the pharmaceutical products and medicines reach the consumers, the patients and their families through intermediaries. And that was a lot of words, but the premise is this industry is huge, right? The U.S. pharmacy industry is the largest in the world. It makes up 40% of the worldwide markets here in the U.S. and accounts for 10% of total U.S. healthcare spend just put that in perspective, four hundred billion dollars with a B. you know, and humans have a hard time even grasping what that looks like. Three of the firms that sit in this pharmacy channel actually sit in the top twenty five companies in the world. If you look at the future of pharmacy, the pharmacy channel, the intermediaries, the revenue for pharmacies is expected to grow to one point seven two trillion in just the next three to four years. When you remember that, you know, seven out of 10 Americans take at least one prescription drug daily, that shouldn't be a surprise to us. Just think about that. And and because of that intense and expansive growth, consumer expectations are really shaping the future for pharmacy services. That means that they demand more. They need convenience. They need access to these medications and more personalized services.
2: Right. I think, Ryan, you hit it on the head of just how broad when we're saying Pharmacy Channel and and you think about just all the different players that are underneath of that channel and underneath that umbrella, and just rattling some of those off, there, there's wholesalers like the Sancoras, the Cardinal Health, the McK- McKessons of the world who provide products from the manufacturers to pharmacies, hospitals, and clinics. There's pharmacy benefit managers, which I know we've talked quite a bit on on, on this podcast, such as CVS, Caremark, Express Scripts, Optum. Those are the organizations that contract with pharmacies and act on the behalf of health plans and employers there's gpos or group purchasing organizations who bargain on behalf of hospitals or other larger provider organizations so so again just taking a step back you know just rattled off a few of that alphabet soup of of organizations that live underneath that pharmacy channel and we haven't even gotten to Brian. what most consumers think of when they think of pharmacy
1: yes i'm so glad you kind of went through some of the lesser known acronyms and subsectors of this world it is important to note that even the pharmacy part of pharmacy channel is broken out and we typically do that in two branches the retail side of the business and the specialty pharmacies. And a lot of people are familiar with retail pharmacy, you know, when we were preparing for this podcast we talked about how much the retail pharmacy has changed in the last 10, 20 and 30 years and you know I, I told a story about when when I would go into some of these retail pharmacies as a kid it was to get candy or or to get a greeting card, sharing my age, I'm sure. But these are are community-based pharmacies, usually in the corner of Maine and Maine, as we say, CVS, Walgreens, or even kind of independent pharmacies owned by some of these intermediaries that provide most of the well-known prescriptions and over-the-counter medications, which, by the way, is a substantial part of the business, and any other health-related products, services, but then there's specialty pharmacies, right? And I, I'm not sure everyone in the in the listening audience understands that they focus on providing specialized, it's in the it's in the title, medications, especially with patients that have chronic illness, complex diseases, rare medical conditions that often require special handling, special compounding. A different type of monitoring by a pharmacist, specialty pharmacists and pharmacies usually provide help for comprehensive disease management programs as well. And that's kind of an evolution of the specialty pharmacy, you know, chronic conditions like multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, cancer, a lot of rare genetic disorders are many times handled by the specialty pharmacy branch of Pharmacy Channel
3: what strikes me most about what we've been talking about so far in pharmacy channels you mentioned right how the growth in this space continues to accelerate right and the fact that it could make up almost a quarter of expenditure in the US health industry it really is mind boggling when you think about it but you know i think what's been interesting to watch over the course of i would say the last decade or so has been the evolution of this channel right from you know very traditional retail pharmacies into really an expansion of capabilities that stretches into health benefits stretches into the provider area and just the intricacy right and interconnectedness of these these organizations i mean we start to map them out and realize like who's working with whom who's partnering with who who's competing with who and different service lines It really is like a checkerboard of intricacy. And, you know, I think to myself, like, you know, PBMs used to be these standalone entities, and now they are either owned by a retail pharmacy, they're owned by health plans. You have PBMs then owning GPOs or group purchasing organizations. There are wholesalers that are jumping into partnerships and alliances, right, to offer things like patient support services. And it's just been interesting to me, at least, to see, how this has taken shape and kind of the tone that these organizations are setting for the rest of the health industry, where like status quo is not good enough. They feel like they have a competitive position in terms of being able to activate consumers and have entrenched models that they think will, will actually, I think, carve the path for what innovation looks like in the future when it comes to healthcare delivery and even healthcare financing. So. Big industry changes, right, in this space. And I think altogether, we'd be remiss if we weren't talking about it because I think it's often underappreciated how influential the pharmacy channel is in the U.S. health industry.
2: I think a recognition of that size and scale, I think, Mindy, you mentioned, you know, almost a quarter of healthcare spend being centered within this space. I think that that explains some of the industry change that we're seeing. I think Walmart's a great example of that. Starting in 2006, they started offering generic drugs for cheaper than what they bought them for to attract more businesses to their stores, really in a retail play. As that played out, though, that actually impacted the PBMs reimbursement for those generic drugs. At other retail pharmacies, which then that chain effect impacts the independent pharmacies that initially had the higher profit margins off of selling those generic drugs. So I, I think that story kind of illustrates a couple of the pieces that you just talked through, Mindy, of the increasing importance and the, the heavy weight that the pharmacy distribution channel plays and how it's impacting and bringing in so many different players to the industry that we didn't see really operating in that traditional pharmacy definition that I think we all kind of grew up with.
0: That's a great observation, Sarab. I think a lot of the disruption we've seen recently has been looking at who's getting into primary care. But even before that, if you think about, you know, Amazon, some of their entry into the healthcare space, you look at what Mark Cuban tried to accomplish with cost plus drugs. A lot of outsiders, a lot of innovators really started their entry point into healthcare in the pharmacy space. And then even within the pharmacy channel, we've seen huge amounts of vertical integration and innovation that's really pushed the industry forward. We're going to take a brief break, but when we come back, we'll be talking about the evolution of this channel. The Trending Health Podcast is brought to you by Dynamic health industry management consultants helping clients transform by connecting strategy to action. Through our structured yet flexible delivery model, Dynamic's right-sized teams work side by side with life sciences, health services, and health technology client teams enabling growth, culture and performance. Curious how we can help your organization achieve its strategic goals? Visit dynamiccom slash info to learn more. Before the break, we were talking about some of the complexity and innovation within this channel. Ryan, at a high level, how would you say the industry has evolved over time?
1: The pharmacy industry has gone through a tremendous amount of change. I mean, look at any health service subsegment or sector, you'll see that. But what we're seeing in the pharmacy industry is a focus on increasing access, managing costs, and offering more patient-centric care and convenience. And I think that just think about the evolution of pharmacists as general, they've increasingly taken on roles through expanded scope of practice that includes things like medication therapy management, chronic disease management. So, quite the revolutionary change in the way that we're seeing it. And if you look at the industry, we've talked a lot on this podcast about the uh, shortage of primary care physicians now and in the future and the the shortage of direct care clinicians. And pharmacists really have the potential to fill that gap when you think about the trustworthiness of them in in the communities. In many states, pharmacists have prescriptive authority and can practice under some of these collaborative practice agreements. And so they're already extending primary care services to their patients. Retail chains are the largest and probably the most prevalent part of this retail pharmacy. And as I mentioned on the corner of Maine and Maine, more than 90% of Americans now live within a five mile radius of retail pharmacy. And uh, one more fact or figure I think for us to chew on is that we know CBS and Walgreens are the big players, they are huge players in this space they've made enormous investments. You've mentioned vertical integration. Between just 2010 and 2021, 10 years, which is not a long time, CVS and Walgreens collectively have acquired 5,000 pharmacy locations. And nearly half of both of those large organizations have pharmacies in medically underserved communities.
2: Ryan did a great job of talking through how providing some of the services that were typically offered from a primary care perspective, that extended even further during COVID-19 as many pharmacies became that go-to place for getting tests, vaccines, and now medications. Some numbers to think through are how retail pharmacies administered 250 million plus doses of COVID-19 vaccines. And and CVS specifically provided 58 million COVID tests in 2021 alone. That combined with then the ability to prescribe Paxlovid and playing that center role in combating the COVID-19 virus, I think that just it continued that acceleration of, of pharmacies being viewed as that wellness destinations. And many of these organizations have continued to expand their services to encompass more and more patient care. Just a couple examples that come to mind include Walgreens purchasing Summit Health for $9 billion and entering into strategic partnerships in the value-based care space, all with the goal to be that one-stop shop for patients in search of primary care, as well as, you know, that natural extension to also picking up prescription drugs. I think, you know, CVS acquiring a value-based primary care platforms such as Oak Street Health in 2023 also kind of further accentuates that point.
3: To your point about how they are you know, broadening those capabilities to be these one-stop shops. You know, I think therein lies one of their biggest challenges is like you think about just the activity in the space, the amount of growth through mergers and acquisitions and stitching that together in a consumer experience, right? That does feel like an ecosystem that a consumer can access in a very frictionless manner to me still remains one of the biggest challenges because I think we've all probably in the last couple of years have been to one of these stores. And I would just suggest that I have not seen the change out there yet. Like I think it's coming. I'm sure there is a lot of strategic planning and execution that has to go into this. I think that the vision of this is really, really big, but I just don't see it really coming to life yet. And I think that's one of the challenges. There's going to be pressure, right, on these organizations to kind of realize the value of all of these investments in these strategic plans around, you know, creating these community ecosystems of health.
2: Yeah, I think that point has certainly been echoed in our conversations with clients that, you know, we've, we've highlighted the positives of these large acquisitions. There's certainly challenges that come in then with integrating, and I think that's the point that you're you're talking through them, Mindy,
3: yeah, and I think the other challenge that I see, like Ryan, you mentioned how there's such an opportunity right to for pharmacists to play a more clinically oriented role in delivery of care and and because there is such a shortage of physicians in this country, and yet you know if you look at really what's going on in the pharmacy world, i mean pharmacists work really hard throughout the day i mean there is not a lot of capacity in the pharmacy world right to handle additional demand beyond what they are doing right now so i do think that's another challenge is like you know we've talked a lot about the the capacity and the shortages that exist in the clinical side of things but even in the pharmacy side they are facing very similar challenges so it's like you start to think about this and then Obviously, the reimbursement structure, and I think this is one that we see shift over time, but there are definitely areas where pharmacy as a whole faces challenges around being made whole when it comes to, you know, dispensing products and or delivering medication therapy management. What's curious to me, and I can't wait to see how this plays out, or I'm interested to see how this plays out, is when you look at somebody like a CVS who just recently entered into white label product around biosimilars for Humira. Well, how's that start to show up, right, in terms of how they recognize revenue in that space, how they can even understand the patient journey in greater detail? I mean, this is all future vision of where these entities think they're going to go, but getting there, I don't think is as, as easy as going from like point A to point B. There's a lot of integration aspects. I think there's a lot of operating model challenges that exist and org design challenges that exist as well.
1: So just to encapsulate a few things you both said, which are really interesting to me. There is a huge acceptance from the patient community of pharmacies and pharmacists, Not so much from a policy, reimbursement, health system, traditional areas. And so it'll be interesting to see how the advent of some of the things you mentioned, the innovation white label drugs that CVS is entering, the vertical integration and purchasing and acquisition of some of these primary care, how it evolves or revolutionarily changes Because there's still a obstacle in front of the pharmacy and the pharmacist today when it comes to policy regulation and acceptance in the clinical community. So it'll it'll be interesting.
0: Yeah, Ryan and Mindy, I think you make such great points when we think about the scope of the transformation of the pharmacy channel and just what they're trying to tackle all of the different layers of the health system they're trying to get involved in, as well as the scale and thinking about like, if the ambition is really to become almost like that third place in the health system, you know, beyond just your urgent or hospital system and your primary care office, really setting the pharmacy to be that sort of care hub, that care nexus that's on, you know, the corner of Maine and Maine, as Ryan says, that's a lot of locations to get to that point. I'm curious to discuss what is next for the Pharmacy Channel, but we're going to take a quick break before then. Wondering which challenges and opportunities are influencing how healthcare is conceived, delivered, and financed this year? Visit binamic.com slash insights to access our 2024 health industry outlook and learn more about what successful leaders will need to navigate. Then contact us to continue the conversation and discuss how Dynamic can help your organization achieve its strategic goals this year. Before the break, we were talking about the scale and the scope of the future vision of the Pharmacy Channel. Ryan, where do you see things evolving in the near term? What are the the challenges, the opportunities, the mechanisms that these organizations are going to use to start to try to accomplish some of these goals?
1: Well, Jen, we've alluded to some of these things in the last 20 minutes or so. But if you think about the way we talk about integration in here at Vynamic, there's several ways to integrate. You can integrate through parallel paths, right? And unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you're looking at it, these acquisitions are not going to provide value if they operate in separate work streams. So given the kind of inter- connectedness and intricacy of the pharmacy landscape, these organizations are going to need to navigate these partnerships and deal activation in a more connected way to accelerate their strategy and turn it into action and really utilize the innovation that they have in each one of the elements. They're going to have to evaluate exactly how they operate in the future. When you think about what we call OMOD here, a dynamic operating model and organizational design, how do they look at the future and really put roles, capabilities, and competencies around not just the individual entities of primary care and home infusion and mail order and the retail pharmacy and the specialty pharmacy, but how do you, you know, to Mindy's point, stitch these together into one entity? And it, and you know, it's not easy, but that is how these monoliths are going to are going to develop value for both the patients and for their organizations to be sustainable in the future. So we foresee, and you know we've talked about this offline, more technology and innovation to help elevate the role of pharmacists to automate some of this decision making. And also, we didn't really get into the pharmacy technician role, which is also an elevated role. It'll allow a lot of these folks, like a pharmacist, to operate truly at the top of their license and, and you know, operationally help to activate some of that strategic stitching that I mentioned earlier.
2: And just building on the technology and innovation being a focus, I think one of the areas that we'll see most of the entities that operate in this space is figuring out how do they take into account and have a consolidated view on the various channels of messaging that they're working with their customers and their patients with. So how, how do you come up with a, an omni-channel, multi-channel experience and approach when you're dealing through these multiple channels of mail order, online pharmacies, digital therapeutics, all these various ways with new patient populations that have come about from the various acquisitions. So I think how that will play out is more investment in patient experience, more investment in a consolidated engagement through these multiple channels. So you know, our recommendation and what we've been working with many of our clients on is how do you evaluate their digital and in-person customer experience journeys to ensure that there truly is that seamless patient experience. I think that is a a critical priority for the organizations that operate in this pharmacy channel space.
0: Thanks, Sarab and Ryan, for joining us today. It was really engaging and exciting to be able to go deep into the pharmacy channel and discuss what's next. For our listeners who are interested in learning more about Binamix's work in health services, check out the links in our show notes. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. To help more listeners find the podcast, make sure to like, subscribe, or leave a review. For more information about this episode and the team behind it, check out trendinghealth.com. And to learn more about how Dynamic helps health companies transform by connecting strategy to action, visit Bynamic.com.